You are now listening to Conscientization 101, an online magazine combining reflection, music, and action through independent media. It's uh, very important to be with conscious African women and men. And I'm very excited to see Conscientization 101, to see Sister Zari there and the brother James, and uh, to see that you have started an organization to conscientize the world, especially African people about what's really going on in this world. Conscientization 101. A lot of these people right now in this conscious, so-called conscious movement, they're not actually living in that in that lifestyle. Bakers. That's why, you know, obviously yourself, we're on the same sort of frequency. That's why you're listening to the same things I'm listening to, because we're sharing that same sort of thought. We want the same sort of things, and a lot of people don't want the same sort of things. Even yourself, what you're doing now is for the people. So everything is people-based. Globally conscientizing. Making me proud of what um, this kind of connection here is that you know, when no matter what is said, no matter what is done, um, you, you leave that you leave listening to our music with a feeling. The same way we're going to leave this conversation with a feeling, mm-hmm. and um, that is the most important thing you know, for for I and I the, the vibe and the energy and the feeling that you leave with. Because you might not remember every lyric, but you're going to remember the feeling. So um, that's 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 really important, and that's what I'm getting from what you're doing. Doing. News headline. Another black person was shot today by a rogue civilian, police officer, dog, or any other entity motivated by racist attitudes. Enter all the liberal solutions. Cultural sensitivity training, campaigns to change white people's attitudes towards Africans, demonstrations, cry-ins, die-ins, etc., etc. No matter how you slice it, all these alternatives place white people and their perceptions at the center of our efforts to improve our conditions as Africans. Nothing could be more futile than an effort to make one group's personal attitude central to your objectives as an oppressed group, primarily because it is not their attitudes that leaves us vulnerable. It is their power to make and fortify policies that are created to keep us vulnerable. What metrics and indices do we employ to determine whether there is, quote, racial progress? Do we judge this vague idea on the amount of interracial relationships or how many times white people speak politely to an African in a day? If we look at Azania, South Africa, which is a poster child for, quote, racial harmony, how do we account for the fact that the white settlers still own over 87% of the land. Are we to believe Africans are okay with having no ownership and control over our own well-being as long as a white woman man smiles at us and ostensibly provides for our children through their institutions? An African can only answer yes to these questions if they have internalized an inferiority complex instilled by society and they believe everything which is not African is divine. We find ourselves in a situation where no matter how many non-African people put foot in ass, 
We continue to appeal to their morality through so-called movements such as Black Lives, Black Lives Matter. Matter. It's a con game. Everything in America is done by mirrors. It's a con game. We're being hustled at all times. I come through the era of Black Power Pimps. You mean we don't know what Black Power Pimps are yet? They produce nothing but confusion. They stir everything up and produce nothing but control. They are people brokers. They broker our pain into profit for themselves and themselves only. And we the people darker than blue still go for that. That's why we're being tore asunder all over the globe. We have held on to this strategy for years because we have been trained to believe we are treated as less than human because of our color. However, there is a greater logic at work when dealing with the Welcome to another episode of Conscientization 101 Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Conscientization 101 Podcast. I am your host on this episode, Senior Editor James Stone. All right. Now, the track that came in after our regular podcast intro was a preview from one of our musical commentaries we wrote and produced back in 2015 entitled Black Lives Matter, The Sisyphean Endeavor, to fight racism as opposed to struggling for revolutionary pan-African liberation. Which is available in our store, by the way, if you want to get a hold of that track and our other musical commentaries. So, why do we play this preview, you might say? Other than the fact that you need to head on over to the store and pick this one up and our other musical commentaries, which also have previews as well. But we played this because we featured commentary that you heard on that preview from our late brother Dale Jones. Dale Jones. Now Dale Jones uh, this brother uh, described himself he was a war correspondent. He did not call himself a journalist and tried to be all bourgeois. I'm objective. I have no emotional linkage to anything. Oh it's black people dying. Oh it's okay. Be objective. I'm an empiricist. I don't deal in truth, I deal in facts. Why do you have to have a context? Mm. If you have a context, you might give historical memory. Historical memory, oh, the cracker will die. Arr. And so we first heard about Brother Dale Jones uh, um, back in the day, early 2000s. We know that Brother Dale Jones was from the Philadelphia area, and he's he was he was probably born around the same time is Brother Kwame Toure, that, that age group. I don't really know. That's that's what's so sad about it, because Del Jones is a war correspondent. It's a grassroots organizer, an institutional builder, and he traveled the world, you know what I'm saying, bringing the truth to our people. And we first, like I said, we first heard about him uh, in the early 2000s. And, um, you know, there wasn't no iPhones back then. And Dale Jones was doing a lot of work 
all through the 70s, all through the, all through the, shoot, all through the 60s, 70s, 80s. He was a part of the struggle for our people all the way up to the early, uh, mid to mid 2000s when he passed away. And so the thing about it is, it's hard to find information about Dale Jones. Okay, so we had heard about Dale Jones. We heard his name, but like we said, it was YouTube wasn't all pervasive like it was and stuff of that nature. And so early 2000s, we heard a little bit from Brother Dale Jones. And so um, what, 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 what brought Dale Jones back into our forefront was a, a, a while back, we had gotten this book, a while back, like, shoot, before we even launched the site, a while back, we got this book called Defying the Tomb, Selected Prison Writings, and Art of Kevin Rasheed Johnson Featuring Exchanges with an Outlaw. This is a very good book. And um, uh, Kevin Rasheed Johnson is an artist, a revolutionary artist, and he's a brother. He's also a political prisoner. And he recently just got moved out of Texas to, they, they be moving him from in all the time, moving him in secret. But he recently got moved out of Texas. Zari, where did he get moved to? He just got moved to Virginia, okay? Thank you, Sister Zari. Sister Zari's on the ones and twos. Ha <laughs> ha. Anyway, so this is a real good book. And in the book, he's, you know, he's discussing political uh, theory and things of that nature, phenomenon, revolutionary theory with this brother named Outlaw. They won't say they won't say his name, you know what I'm saying? Because when it gets real, you don't put a hashtag by your name, okay? You don't be marching in front of the police and shit saying, I live at. That's how I know. Sometimes I know some of y'all is playing. Y'all want attention. Mama didn't love you, now did she? Okay? But when it's real, you, you know, you, you use your alias. But anyway, my point is, in the book, they're talk that Dale Jones' name comes up. And I was like, man, who is this Dale, Dale Jones? Okay, okay, I'm gonna, now this, now, this is a time when YouTube was all pervasive, right? So all I had to do was type in Dale Jones. Good God, the American nigger factory. Death to the house niggers. Oh, this is something I can really get with. Okay, death to the house niggers. Wow. And uh, not only, but when I first, I remember back in the day, back in the day, we first heard about Dale Jones. You know, I was a youngster, and I think the thing was that, you know, I had heard Dale Jones breaks down celebrities and stuff like that. And I had met a lot of different people who was, quote unquote, into the revolution, and they were into looking at owls and shit and looking at the. You know, you gotta do this secret Illuminati cause the Bohemian Grove, they looking in all this stuff and they trying to, I'm like, man, what the fuck does that got to do with Africa? Yeah, I don't know. And then they might throw in Dale Jones name. So just from the bad source, the bad referencing point, I figured Dale Jones might be lopped into this crazy fools. I sometimes you talk to, they come to meetings about uh, Pan-African revolution. And really, they just want a friend to talk to and shit like that. Now, but then when I saw these videos later on, after picking up Kevin Rashid's book, which I need to pick up, I'm gonna link to it. Um, uh, I went to YouTube, I saw a lot of this brother's work, and I saw a lot of, he was putting down real political analysis. And he is uncompromising, he had been working, he had built institutions. And we don't, I couldn't even find information about where he was born, a, a, a quick bio about him when he passed away, it's so scant. You know, I can't find it, you know, and that's really sad. That's really, really, that's really a shameful state of affairs that, you know, we don't have people curating this stuff for people who did all this work for us. And so when I saw uh, 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 the Ameri what, what, what it was up on YouTube 
as the American Nigger Factory, you know, at first I was like, dang, that's a real powerful one. Again, I saw the American Nigger Factory and I was like, man, this is really good. But then when I saw it on YouTube, I went back like a couple months later and then it was taken down. Then it was up in different parts. Then recently they just put it back up and I said, fuck this shit. You know, if we keep all our shit up on YouTube and we don't curate it ourselves, I mean, people are gonna take that shit. You know what I'm saying? They'll take it down. We gotta preserve this stuff. This is our history, our African history, people from around the world. So I said, well, look, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna at least get this one. You know what I'm saying? So that's why this is a, 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 a really special podcast. And let me just tell you some of the some of the books that Brother Dale Jones has wrote, wrote because. A lot of times we use terms and we probably don't even know that it came from Brother Dale Jones. Okay, so one of the books he wrote was The Black Holocaust, Culture Bandits, Volume 1, Showdown, Pan-Africanism versus Global White Supremacy, and Sex Prisoners, Culture Bandits, Volume 3. Now, these are just some of the works he's written and some of the more notable ones. I mean, um, but unfortunately, his books have gone out of print. And this brother was in the struggle from day one. He's been struggling for a, a long time for our people. And um, it, it's just sad the books are out of print. Take uh, Black Holocaust. You know, I went on Amazon. I want to link to it. But I know uh, th th there's only a few copies left from $97.50. And one new cost $105. Culture Bandits. They got seven used for $83.12 and one new one for $199.95. That's beyond the price range that we can get. And you see what happens when it's too late, you know? And so then we got um, Showdown. Now, Showdown, Pan-Africanism versus Global White Supremacy, that's actually in the Conscientization 101 library. We actually have those books and we actually read those books and we're gonna link to them. And right now, as we record this, there are three used available from 1812 and four new from, from $22. This is in all, I'm quoting all Amazon prices, okay? And Sex Prisoners, Culture Bandits Volume 3, we have that as well in our library. We own that and have read that. There are, as of this recording on Amazon, there's three new for $29.95. Now, you know, those were more reasonable price for us than we could afford. But and I, I I I implore you to pick these books up because you know hey man we gotta we gotta take care of our own shit all right because we can't just say oh nobody did nothing but anyway my point is this we are proud to be airing if you go on YouTube it says the American Nigger Factory but <laughs> Dale Jones actually says what the actual lecture is we're proud to be airing a digitally remastered two part series from Dale Jones called Understanding Our Rich Cultural Heritage and strengthening it for the revolution. This lecture uh, actually took place um, circa late 1996 or early 1997 at a cultural institution known as African Echoes in New Jersey. Now, again, we learned about African Echoes. Was it because we live in New Jersey? No, we were from Texas. We learned about it. These, 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 I gotta give much props to the people who put these videos up. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying we got to be extra, more extra vigilant because y'all know YouTube will start snatching shit down like a motherfucker. And, and I, I can't emphasize enough the importance of curating our own information because, you know, this, when those people, not only for the fact that people do really good grassroots work for our people, right? That's not the only reason why. But by preserving this work, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, we not only pay respect to them and because they deserve it, but most importantly, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. 
I mean, the lessons have already been learned and already been talked about. But without the preservation of these lessons via institutions like Conscientization 101, uh, uh, we find ourselves, you know, repeating tactics of the 50s and stuff like that. And then people look at uh, uh, these, uh, these militant liberal assimilation follies like Black Lives Matter. And then people get in all hooked up talking about matter. Then we got to try to get back to black power. I mean, you see what I'm saying? And guess what? If we keep going on this trend, it's going to be too late. You see what I'm saying? No other people moves like that. We always moving like, okay, let's get a sign and march in front of the police. What, what the fuck, man? But that doesn't even make any sense. You know what I'm saying? This ain't 60, 50 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Times has changed. Let's switch up tactics. I'm on march. I'm on march. Not me. I'm going to tell you that shit right now. You'll never catch my ass marching. Fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that. So guess what? I've talking a lot on this intro. So without further ado, we present part one of Brother Dale Jones on understanding our rich cultural heritage and strengthening it for the revolution. See you at the end. Peace. My topic is understanding our rich cultural heritage and strengthening, and strengthening it for the revolution. First of all, before I start any presentation, we always deal with the state of the race. The state of the race is African people are dying. African people are dying in deserts. African people are dying in the jungle. African people are dying on concrete. We die so much we've gotten used to dying. We believe we should die young. We, should believe, we believe we should die barbarically. We believe we should die exploited, beaten down. We believe children should be shot in the head because we haven't done anything about it. If we haven't done anything about it, it must be acceptable behavior. African people are dying in the deserts, in the jungles, on concrete. All we have to do is turn on the news and see African people dying. The first 10, 15 minutes of the news is African people dying. Some people tell me, I don't even look at the news. I say, why don't you look at the news? Because then white people lying. I say, why else don't you look at the news? So all they got was one black folk done to another black folk. Then clean it up. Because one day they won't have nothing to say about us. Not a word, because they ain't going to say nothing good. In Somalia, African people are dying. They will not let a government emerge in Somalia. They want the land, labor, and resources of our people. In Somalia, African people are dying. Genocide. In Liberia, they will not let a government emerge. They're like a fiend on one another. They inspire the divide and rule. We're dying all over Liberia, hacking each other up, dying, genocide. In Rwanda, we're, we're black on black, insta instigated by white people. Dying, butchering, hacking up women and children. Killing each other because we've lost our culture, our struggle culture, our revolutionary culture. African people dying. In Somalia, in Liberia, in Rwanda. In Grenada, they had a revolution going on there. I was there six or eight weeks before the cowardly invasion of the United States troops. We were working on the roads. We were talking with the children who had sunshines in their eyes for the first time. They had never been to school before because neither the colonial regime or the dictator Eric Gary would let them go to school. So they were going to school, breathing free air, full employment, no prostitution. Then 
the divide and rule, they bring us down, genocide. Jamaica, oh, beautiful Jamaica. When I first went to Jamaica in 1977, an American dollar was worth $1.35 Jamaican. Now it's 38 Jamaican dollars to one no good American dollar. The economy's broken down. They use political murder and carnage and booker. They put class against class, light skin against black skin, die in genocide. In South Central genocide, in New York genocide, in Newark genocide, in Chicago, Detroit, LA, genocide. Then when I write a book, Black Holocaust, the only people who stepped to me is black people. Talking about our brother Dale, you think they'll kill us all? I don't think they could kill us all, Dale. I don't think there's conspiracy to kill us all. Why would you say that, Brother Dale? How could you kill all of our people? I said, well, where are the Arawak and the Kalanagos, the red people of the islands from the Bahamas to Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago? Dead. They killed them all. All of them. Where's the Tasmanians? They kill them all and then call them devils to justify the carnage, the slaughter, the pain. Dying. They hold our babies up on CNN on on these right-wing religious Christian programs dying. Send me money to stop this baby from dying. Look at this baby. He who feels it knows it. If you don't feel it, you're not African-centered yet. If you're not mad and pissed off and want to kill something, you're not African-centered yet. Matter of fact, you're not even human. To see your own kind broken down, torn apart, blown apart, gone. And don't be pissed off. You're not alive. So die, nigga, die. How is it that we don't see it? Before we even go into any lecture, I always say, how is it we don't feel it? How is it we don't see it? It's the work of the American nigger factory. The American nigger factory make niggers. Malcolm said, a child isn't born dumb. A child is made dumb. The American nigger factory molds black children, beautiful babies, into niggers. And that's what you were talking about when I arrived. They blow their, their minds apart with two components. One is the white supremacist, anti-human, anti-African curriculum of their schools and educational institutions, which we gladly trot our children off. We grab our child at the age of five and walk them into the kindergarten, crying, tears running down our eyes, because baby going to school, baby's going to get their brains slaughtered. And we sanction it. We hand the baby off. This beautiful black child, just hand them off to the enemy. And we know they're the enemy. We know they hate us. Why do we do that? We're too lazy to build our own institutions. We don't have enough love for the neighbor's child as we have for our own child. And some of us don't even love our own. It's the American nigger factory. In the year 1997, they'll still say Cristobal Colon, or what is named Christopher Columbus, still discovered something. Was some kind of hero. They still tell you George Washington could not tell a lie. The faggot never said he had slaves. Then he's a liar. But in the humanities, where they say the Greeks are this and the Greeks are that, the Romans was this and the Romans are that, and the Tagus Euphrates gave birth to civilization, mankind. That lie that we know is a lie still exists. Academic terrorism and culture banditry slaughters the aspirations in the mind. By the time we pay any attention to the children, they're gone. 
We sent them to the people to teach them to hate us. We, the people dark in the blue, got to go better than this. We ain't building nothing as they destroy everything. They see themselves sitting in Africa, sucking on a mint julep. And one little white little ugly child turned to his ugly little parent and say, whatever happened to those people, daddy? You know those people had those pretty colors. You know, daddy, you know those that run so fast, jump so high, sing so good, and kabuyaka kabuyaka all night? What happened to them, daddy? They lost their history and they were gone. Even though we made a lot of noise to say that we were coming, they didn't respond, so we killed them. Isn't it nice you now live in the horn of plenty? We finally got the Garden of Eden. We control Africa. They're gone. All of them. The ancestors moan when they hear that. The ancestors cry out for us, wake up. How much dying does it take to make us save something? How much dying does it take to make us respond? How much dying does it take to make us human again? Human meaning color. So the American nigger factory scrambles the brain, hey? Makes chocolate white people out of our beautiful African child. And we watch Jenny Jones and Sally Jeffrey Raphael. We let them sit and watch that. I want to ask the sister, why are you letting your daughter watch that? Oh, it's just television. No, no, sister. You tell me you're conscious. You, I'm not talking about somebody's unconscious, because if they don't know, they don't know. But you tell me you're conscious. How do you watch her? And when she mirror that behavior, that's part of the American nigger factory. The educational system and the knockout punches mass communications. Superman, Batman, and all kinds of superheroes flying through white skin while the predator, he be black with dreadlocks. The alien's a bald-headed brother running around with a tail. We know these things. We don't pass nothing on but our decadence. We as a people must own up to that before we can move on. Every night, I try to expunge the madness in me. And I'm supposed to be conscious. I have to review everything I did that day to make sure something just didn't ease in. To make sure I didn't become arrogant. To make sure I didn't become judgmental to those that don't know. To make sure I do the best I can. And man, I'm going to have a heck of a session with myself tonight for being late. I mean that. I mean that. Because let me tell you, for you to sit here, that I wouldn't have sit here that long if Jesus Christ was going to walk on water. <laughs> so all praises to you, because I did want to speak to you today. The American nigger factory, it works. It works good. It is a perfect system, because it turns out niggers every day. They know they can't physically beat us. They know that if we in our right mind that our intellect so surpassed theirs till they still wondering how the pyramids got there. How it sits on shifting sand, plotted by the celestial bodies, and ain't moved yet, but the London Bridge, it fall down. And the leaning tower pizza up there, wrong. 
You know, they celebrate that. They go and say, hey, look at what we did. We done made the leader down with a pizza. I said, mm, that's interesting. Can I go in? No, no, you're making them fall down. Then what good is it? This is the best that we could do. Savage. What is revolution? This topic is, it, this felt good to me. What is revolution? Revolution is a process. It is not an event. I said, revolution is a process. It is not an event. So we've always been a state in the revolution. We've always been either winning or losing. We have always been moving forward or moving backwards ever since they snatched them first brothers and sisters off the beautiful shores of Africa. So we have to begin to think that we're always in the process of struggle with the enemy. Vicious struggle. As they tear things down, we build them up. As they tear them down, we build them up. But if we ever put together what you need, listen, you cannot produce revolutionaries without a revolutionary culture. You cannot produce revolutionaries without a revolutionary culture. You get a few deviates like us in the room, see? But the masses cannot become revolutionary without a revolutionary culture. They can only be of what culture they are. And since they're part of the American pop culture, we develop more Michael Jacksons every day than Malcolms. Huh? We deliver more Martins. More Latifas, who went from Queen Latifah to Skeezer. Because she wanted to be paid. This script looked bad. You want to be paid? Yes. Okay. Ooh, that man looked good. Take off all your clothes. From queen to skeezer, because if you don't have the right situation, there's no reward for queens. There's no reward for kings if you're in the wrong situation. Do you know that revolution, I'm sure you know this, that those who uphold the culture, that those who live righteous get punished for it because you're in the wrong culture. And those who are the saddest, the maddest, the craziest, get paid. Don't you think the children see that? Therefore, you can only develop revolutionaries out of the kindness of their heart or somebody who can't be turned around and they are few and far between. Why should those who will suffer and die for the race lay in hunger without electricity, without gas, in a putt-putt bomb trying to make it? When the enemies of the people get paid, not punished, get paid, not punished, get paid, not punished. So you develop reactionary little kids, reactionary grown-ups, reactionary preachers and ball players, reactionary educational educators. Revolution is a process. It is not an event. No revolutionary culture, produce no revolutionaries. It's as simple as that. Revolutionary culture, what is it? It is a culture that always belonged to we. It represents we. It perpetuates we and our way. Therefore, outsiders cannot be in your revolutionary culture. Now, I know we've had this argument for years, years. We've had it especially from the black left. 
Where are they now that Russia done crumbled? Where are they now those with the high, lofty, ideological discussion on dialectical materialisms and dictators of the proletariat and comrade this and comrade that and comrade this? We said, what about brothers and sisters? That's our language. That's how we speak. It's comrade. Who says it's comrade? I ain't German. The avaricious businessman is exploiting the worker class. He said, brother, you just want an excuse to deal with so-called progressive white people so you can get one of their women. You just want to set up a situation in the white man's mind where those few white people will let you integrate within them. A revolutionary culture has no room for nobody who is not African. Because everything comes from African. Return to the source, Michael Cabral said. Return to your source in your way. But don't be afraid to contemporize it. Some of the old stuff won't wheel and deal like it used to. They have new modes of communications, new modes of warfare. It ought to be fun. I tell the youth when I talk to them, you should feel like an African pioneer, reconstructing African society, reconstructing culture. Everything is at your feet. All you need to know is the lessons of the past. From Imhope Tep to Marcus Mosiah Garvey. You know, as long as you know those things, and if you use us as the wisdom resource, I don't even tell them we should lead them because I can't point to enough people who can hold them down, who don't have baggage. Everybody trying to organize them to exploit them, especially Farrakhan, man. To use the youth as cannon fodder so he could build a billion-dollar empire. Uh, we're not far enough along to say that if you operate outside of African culture, how could you lead we? How could you lead we? If you don't see the red, black, and green when you get up, how could you lead me? How could you be in the same foxhole with me? If you use alien cultures and alien religions, how could you be down with me? You don't even love we. People talking about your hair straight as your eyebrows. All kinds of nonsense. We got to return to the source. We cannot let outsiders into our culture. Asian, Euro, no one. Dr. Clark once said, with a billion Africans in the world, how come we always looking for somebody else to love us? And the elder is correct. We know we cannot amalgamate a revolutionary culture with the enemy, even if they're renegades of their own people, because they're mere culture bandits who steal everything you do and claim it and enrich themselves. You think they're being close to you just like Paul Simon. Get all close and yeah, going to church. Oh, I belong to a black church. I was born Jewish. I belong to a black church. Uh-huh. Oh, and instead of the people saying... Sergeants of arm, kick this cracker out of here. They say, well, welcome, Brother Paul. Next thing, he on television singing, like a bridge over troubled waters. Yeah, I wrote that last night. He stole it. Copyrighted in his name. Now, if I want to sing my ancestors' music, I got to pay this Jew. They're the enemy, don't you know? They're the enemy. 
culture bandits, the white left. It worked all through the black power era. It was working. It was working. The white left moving and grooving. Hey, listen to me. Even ugly Jane Fonda, all up under the Black Panthers. You want some of this? You want some of this, Panther man? Come get some of this. They used to say that she was down with the Black Panthers. And they used to call her a traitor to the American race when she was only running a con game. They sent a white woman for you. Huey, you want some of this, Bobby? Who? 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 I'm a big, fabulous movie star. You can see me naked on the screen. I'm yours, Panther man. And I got some sisters here for you, too. Look at this white girl here. Look at this white one. Next thing we know, they're in cocktail sips with crackers at their cocktail party with their hat in their hand. And they're the entertainment. What are we having today for entertainment? Well, I think a couple of little peppers is coming around. Oh, are they going to talk that black talk? Yeah, they're going to talk that. They're militants. Ha, ha, ha. And in the middle of the call, they said, pass me my cheese and my martini. The brother's about to get down. And he rails against the system. And how many black people have you known rail against capitalism but detach it from white people? It was amazing. We said all we have to do is bide our time because this is going to play out. It was amazing that they had found the right white people. That's one of the major things that's driven us back. There's been so much pain and suffering. Then, if you have developed a revolutionary culture, you're leaving out the, those who don't belong to the family. Next thing you know, we had mixed marriages. Brothers and, and sisters from the Afro-American department of this school, I have a white maid. We show that it can work. We're together now. And we have a baby. The baby's sitting over the corner. I don't know what I am, who I am. You say, choose you, choose you. We, we got enough crazy ones that we drive beautiful babies ourselves. We ought to be shame of ourselves, of what we produce for our children in the name of love. What is culture? What is revolutionary culture? Revolutionary culture produces a revolutionary youth. Now, listen to me. These young people want to rebel. They don't know how. They don't have the examples. And we're not there instigating, motivating, and lifting them up. Listen to their music. Mm. Broke my glasses. This is not my day. Broke my glasses. I expect to get hit by lightning in the middle of the night. Revolutionary culture is more than singing and song, of sewing dolls, of wood carving. Culture is everything you do, how you do it, how often and why. Therefore, everything you do falls under the realm of culture. And if it's a revolutionary culture, there's no room for liberalism. There's no room for a white aesthetic in there. There's no room for anything but what we develop to liberate we. We must deliver revolutionary songs. I hear the children crying. Hip-hop music is a revolutionary music that hasn't reached its potential, and it won't because we're not maintaining it.
We're not grounding with our brothers and sisters to tell them where they need to take it. We step back and say, turn that noise down when rhythm and blues hasn't produced anything. To have a revolutionary youth, you need a revolutionary music, a revolutionary song, and a revolutionary dance. Now, the revolutionary dance used to be done by the I-Trees with Bob Marley when they did the easy skanking. When they had on their regal gowns representing African womanhood on the highest level. All they had to do was kill Bob Marley, give him instant cancer, ads, water, and stuff. All they had to do was blow off the back of Peter Tosh's head and give you Patra and Shabaranks. Next thing you know, instead of easy skanking proud to the melody, we got black girls grinding against the ground, all up against the wall, like animals with their butt out, being a caricature for white supremacy. Because they know what revolutionary culture, they move in there, and how they do it, they buy it. If you do these dances and sing these songs, you get paid. If you do those dances and those songs, not only will you might be not paid, you might be killed. The revolutionary youth, and I hear this on every campus I go to, they want to know what is going to be our new economic system. You need a revolutionary economic system that you need to be building now. What is the lessons of the past? Where did we come from? How did we wheel and deal before? Without that, they don't know what to do. I'm telling you, on the campuses, those are becoming African-centered. No, they're not going corporate America. But what do I do? How do I do it with we? Elders, show me. We don't have a revolutionary military to protect our seeds. We don't know have nobody to strike back when we struck down. Then we're not revolutionary yet. Hopefully we're coming. Malcolm was funny. He could be so exact. He said, if you knew what revolution meant, you'd jump back in the alley. You wouldn't use that word. And you got people like Chaos One say revolution is basketball, and basketball is the truth. It's a sad commentary, but I don't blame him. He hasn't been taught because we haven't set up enough institutions to teach him. A revolutionary, not only need a revolutionary military, they need a people's militia. That means all of us should be training. All of us should know how to fire guns, how to survive. Huh? We should be getting our provisions ready in the basement. Because we know they're coming. They gotta come. Revolutionary cultures have a revolutionary women's organization to represent for the women. I have never seen a revolutionary country that didn't have a national women's organization to make sure that everything is done egalitarian, that the sins of the past are not passed on. Every revolutionary culture and government that I have ever seen had a national youth organization to make sure their needs are represented and the advocates for that make sure that the revolution serves everyone. The revolution usually had the wise elders sitting there, not in a controlling factor, but to give advice. All of these things have yet to be produced. That 
is the result of the death. Not that the enemy is killing you. He always wanted to kill you. He always killed you. We haven't produced what we need to defend this race. Yet we say we're proud to be African, huh? So it's not so much what the enemy do. Because really, if they could put us all together right now, they'd kill us all. Really? And the liberals would say, oh, that's a shame. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Okay, on with the next business in our meeting. Robert's rules of order. Roberts ain't going to rule no more once we put together a revolutionary culture. So as you see, it's culture. It deals with food, clothing, shelter, health, education, police in the hood, and a military to deal with outsiders. If this haven't been built, then we haven't used our culture properly. We create culture like this. Out of their waste material. We create culture, we can take some dirty oil drums and jam, jam, jam. We can take some broken turntables and all night long. But we don't know yet that culture is to liberate you. One of the reasons Seco Torre would not let tourism come to Guinea because he said it stagnates the people's revolutionary culture. So instead of building a culture for society, you're making little dolls and things to appeal to these Canadians and Euro this and Euro that and Americans. Little dolls and trinkets and bartering. As they walk through your world, celebrating that all you got is a little sunshine because we took all your, all your precious materials, all your resources. We came and plotted and put our hotels at your beaches. Think of it now. Let's think of our situation for what it really is. Shit. They take all, in Jamaica, they're taking all the beaches, putting their decadent hotels. And then so their little woman could come into town and rent themselves a Rasta. And all over the island, you see a little white girl holding on to a black Rasta, riding up in the hands, get some of that ganja, get some of that. But when you don't take control of your culture, you allow for that. Revolutionary culture fosters. Think now. All right, let's think. We done set up a revolutionary culture in here. Anything that's anti-African is out. Anything that is exploitive is out. Anything that's egotistical is out. And we begin to function and the children are, are working within that domain. You have a different child. They would have never seen none of these clown shows. Never in a revolutionary situation. We talk about arguing and, 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 rest, and rumbling. I never rumbled with my kids. Now, when they leave home, but as good as I thought I was as a parent, a few years outside of my control, they become reactionary. Why? They go back to celebrating Christmas and Thanksgiving. And why? Why? I'm supposed to be bad. I'm a war correspondent. I'm going to have a child like this. Unacceptable. It's because individuals cannot develop the youth by itself. You must have the institution in full effect. 
the educational institutions, the economic institutions, the military institutions. You should surround them in a cocoon of revolutionary love and say that anybody who come near these children will be taken out. One good household won't do. I've seen people raise their children to be religious, to be Muslim, to be Christian, to be a, a Yoruba or whatever. And as soon as they get old enough to reject all that and say no, they're gone. Because the institutions that support the struggle has to be put in place. And that has to be done collectively. That has to be done by we. That can't be done by me. It has to be done by we. I've seen advantages. In Philadelphia, we have a place, a school called the Academy of the Way. I remember walking past a new student one day. I said, hey, sister, how you doing? First of all, I ain't your sister. Second of all, this ain't no school. This is a house. There ain't no classrooms. Them bedrooms. By the time she graduated, she was a cold-blooded revolutionary child in the top of her class, intellectually, emotionally loved with her people. Because this is what your institution do. And we didn't have her from cradle on up. We picked her up after the street had thrown her around a little bit. I know what we can do. How come if we have so much unemployment, we stand on the corner waiting for white people to come and organize our labor? How come? You know something? If the unemployed was revolutionized, they'd find jobs for all y'all. Because they say when they got downtime, they get hardcore. Let's keep them working with us. That kind of culture will bring forth a new individual. That revolutionary culture will bring forth a child with loyalty ready to sacrifice, because that's all they know. But they know more white stuff than they know African stuff. They have loyalty. Even hip-hop music, as much as I love it, and its potential as a revolutionary music, right now I'd be lying to you if I didn't say it fits snugly in the bosom of American pop culture. That's why they wear the baseball hat. The Timberlands, the hockey shirts. It's a tug of war of cultures. The white man ain't gonna let you just develop revolutionary culture without tugging and pulling and paying them off? Starting the East Coast, West Coast rivalry? Have them getting the gat on each other? But never shot not one hip hop artist, not one ever shot. One white recording executive. Not one. These dirty, filthy Jews and their other cracker dogs. Not one has ever been shot. I tell them, don't tell me nothing about. Don't tell me nothing about East Coast, West Coast. Sucker MC and the sucker MC. That's talking about your brother. Just represent what you represent. But they can't do it alone. They're young. And they're betrayed. Badly, in a sea of cowardness, we hide, even those who say we as bad as we want to be. 
these pills, pop these pieces, let her pop a pussy, go and get it poppin', pop a couple bottles, fuck pop a willy, keep poppin' shit, I'm going. Academy away, another thing I learned is that love for their people. Even though we got the eighth grade and the preschoolers in the same school, 
If you have a white mentality, say, why they always got to be with me? Why my brother got to go with me? I'm tired of watching them. In an African setting, they know it's their job to nurture, to look out for And they're proud of that job. I've watched them. I always learn, you know something, you don't learn nothing about revolution in a book. Revolution comes from practice. When you're in the street or whatnot, by practicing, you can find out what don't work and what does work. When you practice it and see the response of the people, then you know what to throw away and what to retain. Revolutionary culture does something else, too. We're at that state where we developed a revolutionary culture. That everything has to come through our committees, our collective leadership, to be sanctioned as an activity, an idea, a notion, a piece of art that fits in the realm of the revolutionary culture. Revolutionary culture, by its mere existence, exposes reactionaryism. Exposes things like Roy Ennis, of course, organizing and recruiting African Vietnam vets to fight with UNITA and the South African Army against the interests of the NPLA, against the interests of SWAPO, against the interests of the people of Azania. Nobody came down on him. Drive a better car than you. Live, but did you know that the struggle in Azania didn't begin to come to its peak until they start putting that necklace around traders' necks? But before you do that, you can't be a bunch of wild renegades. We need to become organized. Revolutionary culture exposes reactionary thought and action. It exposes people who are charlatans. I thought we knew what revolution was until I seen people trump, trump, trumping off to Washington. I really did. I really did. I said, man, this Black Books Revolution is organizing people and we're coming together. Man, I overestimated it. We're tied up in emotional bullshit. We're hugging and kissing and then coming back on trades like we just beat somebody's ass. Like we had won a war. And all we did is pray. Go to Washington, come back and hug each other. We knew we loved each other before we left. It also showed me we don't know who the enemy is. Nobody jumped on the enemy. And the people who were talking from the podium were reactionary. The Ron Karingas. Hey, how does Maya Angelou, when I say reactionary, are pushed out of a revolutionary situation just by the mere existence of a revolutionary situation? How can she be your poet and Clinton's poet too? How can she speak to black men from a podium, million and a half of them, and be married to white men? What the hell could she tell me? Except that if I get a chance, I need to kick her in the butt. It's a con game. Everything in America is done by mirrors. It's a con game. We're being hustled at all times. I come through the era of black power pimps. You mean we don't know what black power pimps are yet? They produce nothing but confusion. They stir everything up and produce nothing but control. They are people brokers. They broker our pain into profit. 
for themselves and themselves only. And we the people darker than blue still go for that. That's why we're being tossed under all over the globe. That's why there's slavery in the Sudan, in Mauritania, in Iran, I walk, I crawl, wherever them damn Arabs are. In a revolutionary situation, opportunism is crushed. Backward elements is crushed. Exploitation is eliminated and destroyed. And those who bring those ideas, who would dare take we back for profit, are ostracized. Why well, I mean, Krumah used to say, forward ever, backward never. We are an emotional people. That's why we fill our churches and our temples. But even that's a joke. When I wrote Black Holocaust and people claiming there was no Holocaust, 10 years ago when I wrote that the CIA was putting drugs all over our community, no one believed me because I'm a black man. But when Dan Rather say it, when CNN say it, when Ted Koppel said it's news, well, it's 10 years too late. Look at the people who died. Hundreds of thousands. Look at how many grandmothers had their throat cut. Look how many babies been thrown up against the wall because of their deadly crack. But you kill the messenger and say, you're going to get us all in trouble. You, we want to get along. The examples of a revolutionary culture. As we fought the deadly Arabs and they began to expand into North Africa, pushing us back. We stopped and developed the Masi states. And in the Masi states, this is in Chancellor Williams' book, Destruction of African Civilization. And as we fought the Masi states, we stayed free for years. But when we got soft on the perpetuation of our culture, and the youth said, that old adage, that old saying that don't let whites or other people in, it's something you old people say. This is a new world. We're going to let them in. The Masi states were destroyed. And the people pulled back and they died. And they pulled back and they died. And they pulled back and they died. Till the Arabs controlled North Africa. Well, the Arabs say now, we're going to come through the Sudan. We're going to take over Uganda. We're going to take over Tanzania. We're going to take care of Tanzania and Kenya. The Arabs say we sit on shifting sand and oil is playing out. They're going to solar power, electric power, wind power, water power. We have nowhere to live. We have to go do what everybody else does. Pillage Africa. Destroy black civilization. And live where they used to live. How do you think those Arabs got where they are? At the same time, they got slaves in 1997. Our people now, not nobody else. We, the people dark and the blue, allow slaves. As soon as somebody unfolds the story, three quarters of the race and some of the academicians that know better, so they say, oh, there ain't no slavery in this Sudan. There ain't no slavery in Mauritania. But you're the one who taught me about slavery in this that's a damn shame. I'm your student. The 
African revolution. You must have an African culture. For example, number two, the gallant struggles of the people of Haiti to kick Napoleon's butt, set his drawers on fire, and have him run out the country yapping and screaming. Running through America, say, look, I want to sell Louisiana, all that region. Uh, 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 give me what you got in your pocket. I'm getting out of, I'm getting away from these niggas. He get all the way to Egypt and say, yeah, the Sphinx, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. But because we didn't have an African revolutionary culture, they called Toussaint L'Overture and Napoleon say, Toussaint, I'm mad with you. We had to fight you, Toussaint. No, you didn't have to kill all the people. Toussaint, be a nice Frenchman and come and meet with me in France. And the nigga went to France. Do you <laughs> now, wait a minute. Dead bodies all around you. Rape women was your history. Working you to death, castration, lynching. What is it in the African mind? We got to deal with this. What is it in the African mind? We got to deal with this. What is it in the African mind that makes us need the love of them hunkies? So we can beat them on the battlefield and still think, I'll be a Frenchman. We look at history to find things to uplift us. We look at history to see how bad we were. We better look at history to see where we failed, where we were too soft. Man, say, I'm a Frenchman. They say, Toussaint, you better not go. You know Napoleon, so he's going to kill everything black. No, he, he has fraternity with me. You know, did you ever heard of French Revolution? Well, now we be French people. We beat them and we could be French. <laughs> I didn't make that up. That's history. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> the interpretation of history is important. What we need is the truth. Sure, he was a great fighting man. Sure, there were good generals around him. But on the psychological tip, what is it about white people that can mutter a few words? It's because he came through the French nigger factory. Because the French was the highest of that. He didn't want to be a free African. He wanted to be a free Frenchman. The children of the Masi states said, who? They might have something we need. The elders said, we gave you everything you need. Freedom, self-determination, liberation. No, no, that's the old way. There's only one way, brothers and sisters. That's the African way, the African revolutionary way. We have to define collectively amongst ourselves what that is. That is nothing I can tell you. That's something I can sit down and reason with you and with Africans all over the globe to find out what is the African way? What does the African need? How are we going to obtain it? What is the state of our youth? What is the state of them in 1996? They're the major targets of genocide. Tupac is a classic example. But since we get our information from the enemy, we don't know the whole story. We don't know he was a Shakur. And whether he was revolutionary or not, thank you, brother. Whether he was revolutionary or not, and he was not. They knew what he could evolve into. He had to be destroyed. Because a good son 
avenges his family, his father, his mother. A good child, good little sister, avenges the family, the mother, the father. Good youth avenges the people. The state of our youth, and they know it. Coolio sings. When you're going to help me, I guess you can't. I guess you won't. I guess you front. I guess my life is out of luck, fool. Is that not a call for you? Did he not say we're saying prayers in the street line? Do you think children actually know how to get out of this dope jam that they're in? They were born in it. They were born in a dope culture, not an African culture. They functioned very well in it. The only thing is that the better they function, the better the genocide against their own people. But they were born in it. They didn't create none of this. None of the culture. None of the violence. A drive-by shooting didn't come from a brother in Africa riding by on an elephant and throwing a spear at another, another brother. It's the act of a coward. The same kind of coward that when they went to war put on all this steel and walked around. Alas, salam salat. Shaka Zulu say, give us a small shield and a small panga and I'll collect the world. <laughs> because he knew the African reflexes. But they said, we're going to put on as much armament as we can. And all you do is push him open and watch him like, uh-huh. Like a roach that can't get off his back. Oh, all right. Our youth know their genocide's target. They sing about it all the time. Do you know that the only revolutionary thought in African music at this point in time, the African music that is presented, because there's always revolutionary African forces putting together African music that we will never hear, because we let the white man pick what music we will hear. We don't even set up another system of trying to determine which artists should be supported and which ones should be rejected. Hip-hop is the only music that done that. The only. Luther Van Draws, he don't do it. Michael Frankenstein Jackson, he don't do it. Now what is hip-hop? Hip-hop... There are new griots. Listen to me. They're only storytellers. They're mere storytellers. We sit down and let white people tell us stories all day. Around Halloween, they tell monster stories. They're always telling sex stories. They're always telling war stories. They're always telling drug stories. They're always telling fantasy. But when we tell a story, all of a sudden we are the story. They attack gangster rap instead of listening to it. Because if you listen to it, you can determine what the children need. What is missing in their ideological diet? What's missing in their information diet? And you supply that. Just like telling your child never to speak to them unless the old heads used to say, don't speak unless you're spoken to. Boy, I used to always get smacked because I never knew how to shut up. 
Because they don't like what you say. You say it raw. So when we tell we story of the hood, they live in hell. So how good could the story be? They're surrounded by drugs. They better know how to shoot. They better know how to hold their hands. The American nigger factory supplies them the view of womanhood. It supplies them the view of the macho man and the soap opera queen, and they play it out in their everyday behavior because it's part of pop culture. But when Fuji demonstrates to you what culture really is, when the Fuji's show you that the youth know that in Britain, in France, and in the United States, they don't allow no more black immigrants. So they represent for the immigrants, especially the Haitians, who caught hell. We went to the Chrome Detention Center where they were holding the Haitians, remember, Deke? And tried to get in the door. I said, uh, I'm, I'm Del Jones from Philadelphia. Here's my credentials as a member of the press. I want to go in there and see what's going on. I said, I said, Deke, what is this guy? He's talking Spanish. That's a dick guarded by Cubans who don't even speak English. Ha! Huh? By the same old folks. You know what I'm saying? So we see them in the chrome detention, getting so depressed they used to run out in the swamp. And the KKK had a firing range, and they used to go hunting them down, killing them. Since they got on a boat, and nobody knows they're alive, nobody knows their name, they're easy to kill. They have John, Cole, uh, uh, John Doe killings where squads of police just kill the homeless because nobody want them. Nobody's looking for them. They're easy to kill. Many times the body's not, not even clean. Crack was devised. It is a de demonic weapon. It was devised to destroy the black family and the youth. Crack was devised and rained down us by the enemy. That's an act of war. Anytime one people kill another, that's an act of war. How come we don't take it like that? We let people like Maxine Waters say, I call for an investigation of the CIA to check itself out. Check itself. Malcolm say, you don't take your, you take your criminal to court. But since we, the people dark and the blue, has not developed ourselves as the authority in our hoods, they play that game with us. Look at a special prosecutor, okay? It's like having the clerk walking with Mandela, hand in hand, and he responsible for the slaughters of our children in Soweto. Use your black ass, sun to sun, sun to sun, sun. Work your black behind with the gun. You, 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 use your black ass. Money in the black bank, babies in the black school, fool from a black farm, black hat, black shoes, black own everything, black white.
life, black news. Liberating niggas from the scared to be black blues. Maggie Lena Walker, black talons in the mag pool. Daddy was a pauper, immigration was a black bruise. Black subjugation to an anti-black white rule. Police infiltration by the anti-black hate rules. Do black lives matter when the cops saw black dudes? Black crime crackers used to justify their next move. Black politicians grinning buried, that's how blacks lose. Black leaders leading blacks to poplar trees, next news. Black bodies swinging from the poplar trees, strange fruit. Black polished white face, vaudeville, same tune. Black caricature picking any mammy and coons. Black people selling out for Grammys, that's a damn fool. Damn fool. Tripping black bloods, black crips, now Pyrus and Hoover stripping black price, black life, religion isn't the prescription. Black love, subtle shrugs when I say bring it to fruition. Black smoking, white coke, and getting locked up for addiction. Black folk is white though, this would be a health condition. Black 13%, a small bit of 300 million, but black nearly 50% of the prison system. Blacks ask for education, funds deferred to prison building. Blacks have to understand they profit keeping niggas in them. Black grief, they believe that's Victoria's secret. Black beats, black speech, banned if you ever speak it. Black labor, that Potato harvest on a prison farm. Black bought at the car on the shelf in Walmart. Turntables, record labels, profit from the prison business. Black raps in the trap, that's a mandatory sentence. Black youth, prep for prison, ain't he not a grade school? Black role, white judge, power structure, power move. Black hope, spirit broke, that's what this oppression do. Our niggas scared to death, this Urugu re enslaving you. White collars, beast priest and false prophets Black prophets siphoned out of pockets Due to economics, black doubters, black cowards What the fuck is spending power? Black power ain't ours, niggas scared to be about it Black Bentley popping bottles, smashing white supermodels Black rapper rapping about this Manufactured nigga shit, black six sour With piranha grip, pistol whip Black business music, model manage massive slave shit Black artists paid for popping molly Pushing e-music, black mass minivan First when I Spotify, black out on your Band camp, dark your light, I am a sign Black heart, ghetto youth, I am not them. Black culture, I'm a soldier, danger to appropriators. Culture bandits, understand indigenous originators. Rap art, ghetto spark, light from out the darkness, even. Urban farmers with the harvest, corporations starve the seedlings. Black life, history, experience, and perseverance. 50 years of stupid struggle, trying to make these devils hear us. Black lips, black nose, black hearing what I'm wearing. Demonized to justify the genocide, they say we scare them.
right, that's part one of Brother Dale Jones on understanding our rich cultural heritage and strengthening it for the revolution. This episode has featured sounds from Conscientization 101, Black Lives Matter, the Sisyphean endeavor to fight racism as opposed to struggling for a revolutionary pan-African liberation. From our musical commentaries, The Force, Wild Wind That Blows, instrumental from his EP, Wild Wind That Blows, with Cyclonius. Wise Intelligent, from his album, Wise Intelligent is Stevie Bonneville Wallace. Back to school, fourth period, the track was Going Pop. And Jinsu Dean and Wise Intelligent, Black Fear, from their album, The Game of Death. Links to featured music are in the show notes, as always. Also, we know that you're going to pick up Brother Dale's books, which is also linked in our show notes and in our library on our site. You better do it because them books might be gone forever because, I mean, we could get the books and then you never know what might happen in the future. We might be able to get a hold of the copyright or whatever, and then we can produce them, and then we can republish them. We have to value our information so we do not reinvent this goddamn wheel. All right, now don't forget, we want you to visit us at conscientization101.com or c101magazine.com. Sign up to our mailing list for exclusive information and downloads. Hit up our store. Pick up an unabridged interview or two. Pick up a few musical commentaries in a shirt and support 100% independent media so we can continue to learn from each other. Also, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Conscien1, that's C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N-1, on Facebook at Conscientization101, and Instagram at C101Editors. Also, um, I really enjoy doing these curating podcast episodes, you know what I'm saying? I enjoy doing our interviews, but I really enjoy doing these as well. feel like we're preserving information that somebody can use to help build a nation, not just somebody can be inspired to be the next speaker. Lord knows we got enough charismatic leaders and speakers and talkers and shit. If I want to go to the damn doctor, what are you going to do? Speak me out of surgery? He's going to be charismatic with the stethoscope? Anyway, I'm, <laughs> I digress. But no, you know, no. But anyway, we're going to be back next time. So uh, hit up the store. Hit us up. Uh, we're going to be back next time with part two. And then after part two, we're going back to the uh, regular format. But we're going to be back with part two. In the meantime, hit up the store. Hit up Conscientization 101. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Zari, on the ones and twos. This is how we roll. Conscientization 101. We are out till next time. Peace. Peace.